Yeah, if you want to open your Bible, uh, we, I would love you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we're on this journey, uh, as you saw in that bumper video, about understanding uh, what it means to be built up as the body of Christ and to be able to be built up personally in our households and as well um, as God's people together as the church. And we've been through the last few weeks talking about uh, a few subjects that if you, if you weren't here, you might want to go back uh, using the app to be able to look at on comprehensive small groups, on uh, loving relationships, and on uh, worship, and on inspiring worship, and encountering God and his presence in our worship. Now, those are really fundamental things that happen to, to pull us together, right? Being in community groups, you heard that uh, testimony this morning, um, and in terms of our discovery groups and being a part of that and how vital that is. Hopefully this last week, if you were here last week, you could pray that prayer a number of times. Father, I receive your love from me today so that we can be able to enter in and be in that relationship, the loving relationships with those people around us. So if that is strengthening our community by being together, by learning together in community, by encountering God's presence, by, by strengthening the loving relationships we have in community, uh, is that all there is? And this week, what we want to be really uh, focused on is this idea that we see in 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, you can look at the notes in the app, or you can use the notes that you have, but we're going to be giving you a number of scriptures. Yuan and I are going to be sharing together uh, this message on need-oriented evangelism because it's close to both of our hearts uh, that we want to see. If you want a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, on the communion tables in the middle of the room, you can get up, move over, grab one of those Bibles as well. So um, I want to talk about the, this idea in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, because in that scripture, uh, let me read it out loud for you, um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Really, if, if we're engaged in community with each other in groups, if we're encountering his presence by gathering together like we are this morning in terms of, of, of looking to, to be with the Lord, to hear from the Lord, to uh, commune with the Lord at his table, if we're growing in our, loving, in our loving relationships, it's because you are here and you've said, Jesus Christ, you're Lord. You're the leader in my life. You are going to take me forward. You're going to show me the way. You're going to be a model to me. Now, you might be new to church this morning. You might be new and exploring the Christian faith, but really, it's a reordering of things. So if you come to Jesus, you're coming uh, not to add him to your life, but to invite him into your life, to reset and reorder everything in your life. Do you understand that? I was talking with someone this week. We were having a pretty tough conversation. He was telling me about his involvement in a fraternity and that he would go to the fraternity Bible study. Unnamed fraternity, not at this campus, by the way. Everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Um, but, but in this fraternity, they had a Bible study every week. And this young man would go to that Bible study and they would, they would study the Bible. But then on Friday and Saturday night, boom, they were drinking and they were in hookup culture. And, and this person was, was really struggling inside with that because like, it's really weird to be in the word together 
on a Sunday, but then the following weekend, you jump in and you do whatever you want to do. Now, here we go. Let's push some buttons. Politics. We're bringing up politics in church, right? But in, 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 in politics, in political parties, um, the two main political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans in our nation, there's a phrase that became popular in the last, year, last few years, which was rhinos or dinos. What that meant was Republicans in name only or Democrats in name only. In other words, how politics works is there's a party platform. You're going to speak to that here in just a moment. There's a party platform. This is who we are and what we're about and what we advocate for, right? But because of convenience or the desire to uh, win an election or get a seat or because money that's behind people, they, they adopt that tag upon themselves and then they run. So I'm talking with this young man and I'm like, look, and this might touch you, boom, right in your heart right now. We have a problem in Christianity because we have crinos, Christians in name only. You take the name of Christian upon yourself and then boom, you do whatever you want. You invent what it means. That's not Christianity. And it's hurting us. It's hurting the church. It's hurting the people who, who understand what it means to follow it, follow the Lord. Peter says this, set apart in your heart Christ is Lord. Jesus, you're in charge of my life. You are in charge of my life. And when Jesus takes hold of your life and he begins to implement those changes, some of them are immediate, some of them are profound, some of them are a leap, right? But some of them are incremental that happen over weeks, days, years. But in the whole process, you begin to transform and change your life to look like Jesus. My wife has been in medical sales for her whole professional life. And so um, when she moves on to a new company, as happens in that industry, she just kind of throws everything away and then um, moves on to the new company. But I, I kind of dumpster dive a little, Yoon. I, I, I trash dive for her. And she doesn't actually even know this, but it's now going to be recorded and on the app, so I'm in trouble. But what I do is I go in and I grab one of her name badges. So I have a Zeneca name badge, and I have Johnson Johnson name badge, and I have a Stryker name badge for Heather. And what it, what it was was she had the name of the company on her name badge, and then she had her name. And what she was and what she is is she's an account representative or an account executive representative or sales representative. Let's get up to that slide. A representative represents. Now, that's very popular in our culture to say, hey, represent. Well, what does it mean to represent? It means to be entitled or appointed to act or speak for someone, and especially in an official capacity. You write that down. Right? Because what that's saying is, when you come to know Christ, when you grow in faith because you're in a small group, when you encounter him week after week, being in his presence as God's people, when you engage in loving relationships in a new kind of family with God as your father and uh, everyone around you as sisters and brothers, <laughs> something begins to happen in your life. And, and, and if you're not awakened to it right away, you are this morning. And when we're talking about need-oriented evangelism, we're saying, look, I represent now, we don't have name badges to hand out to you today, right? But you, you, you represent your own family name, your last name. What's that family about? Uh, but if you're part of Discovery Church, in a way you represent Discovery Church, definitely our staff do represent Discovery Church. 
Um, our elders do, but, but in, a, in a broad corporate sense, you represent. Set a Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Be ready to talk about it. You know, the fact is that we need to, to understand that it's about getting the word out. You have something the world needs. Say, I have something the world needs. Ready? I have something the world needs. You're beginning to get to know me and my preaching. I have something that the world needs. Let's go to the next slide. We've got to be getting the word out. Now, what is the word that we want to get out? And I'm going to give you several scriptures that are going to come up here in succession. First, Psalm 68, 20. We have the God who is the God who saves. Our God is the God of salvation. This is Psalm 68, verse 20. Our God is the God of salvation, and to God, the Lord, belongs escape from death. Read it again. Our God is the God of salvation. If you have ears, listen. Our God is the God of salvation. Who is he? The God of salvation. And to God the Lord belongs escape from death. You have nothing to fear anymore. How do we know? Because he loves us. John 3, 16 and 17. Go to the next slide. Because... There was a mission to save the world that the Father had in mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. That the world would be saved through him. Getting the word out, representative, fill in the blank your name. I'm Representative Jeff, who are you? We need to know that we have the God who is the God who saves, the God who had a mission to save the world, and he came in person in the person of Jesus Christ. Luke 19, 9 and 10. Jesus came to seek and to save. Here's what it says, Luke 19, 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God is the God who saves. God had a mission to save. God came to save personally in Jesus. And then as Jesus was moving on, he was the one who said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you as my representative, sent by the Savior. John 20, 21 and 22. If you have ears, listen to the word of God. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The followers are sent by the Savior. You're his representative. Paul, a latecomer to this because he resisted the representatives until he became a chief representative, he said that there was a reality because people would not know about the God who saves, the mission to save the world, the one who came to save the world, Jesus Christ, unless we continued to be sent ones. How do we know those words weren't only for the first 12 because of the flow of church history in which people took on the mantle upon themselves to represent and to speak on behalf of the God who saves? Listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. If you have ears, listen to the word of God. 
How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Heather's in medical sales, my wife. Now, she works for BD, Becton Dickinson. That's her company now. She wears the badge. She represents. She's in capital sales, which means she has a process. In sales, they call it the funnel. Any business people here? Right? And you fill, you, you fill, you're filling the funnel with potential business. Everybody with me on this? Now, because she's in capital sales, there's a basically at least an 18-month what's called sales cycle. She doesn't walk in and say, hello, my name's Heather, sign right here. There's a, a sales funnel where you have to do many, many steps to be able to get to the point where somebody makes a decision and makes an investment in the equipment that she sells. Is everybody following me? You see that cross way over there? Am I pretty far from the cross right now? Physically, am I, think with me. Am I physically pretty far from the cross? Okay. Am I closer now? Am I closer? I keep getting closer. I have this friend who I've come to really appreciate and love. He said this. Let's put up the next slide. Oh, this is where we have the three-quarter problem. <laughs> but you can see your name, which is totally awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what you had said. Evangelism, first and foremost, an action and not an outcome. It's an action and not an outcome. Put up the next slide, because I know at least we'll get to see our picture. That's one of our scriptures that I just uh, shared with you. And when Yuen and I got together this week and we were preparing this message, uh, we walked out from the coffee shop we were in and somebody had chalked John 3.16 on the, on, on, the, on the sidewalk. Somebody was going to take a step and step over that. And some of us might make fun of it, think it doesn't do any good or whatever, that somebody took time to take a piece of chalk and write John 3.16 on the sidewalk. But you don't know, and I don't know, if that was something when somebody was far from Jesus, that it was allowed them to take this step that was closer to them. Now, if we need to get the word out and we're representatives, we have a challenge because I think that there's some confusion about what is the gospel. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ren. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. So I'll just build on what Jeff shared with you guys. Um, around, you know, we know that we have a God that has a heart to save, right? But evangelism, right, as an action, what does evangelism mean, right? It means proclaiming the good news. Can I ask you guys a question? How many of you guys like sharing good news? Yeah? It's cool, right? And actually, how many of you guys like hearing good news? Pretty cool, right? But for some reason, when it comes to evangelism, we struggle with that, right? Like when I think evangelism, I think kind of scary, and I think for the outside world looking at the church, when we think evangelism, a lot of times we think ulterior motives, right, in genuine. And I think the problem with evangelism is that for us, our view of the gospel is too small, 
Okay, now what do I mean by that? Now, if I say gospel, right, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what comes to mind? What probably comes to mind is that, you know, we were all sinners, but God loved us so much that he sent Jesus into the world to die for us, and Jesus rose on the third day, conquering sin and death so that our sins might be forgiven and we can be in a relationship with God forever and ever, right? Now, don't get me wrong, that is definitely good news, and we are going to be singing and talking about that for the rest of eternity, right? Like, that's the heart of the gospel. But what if I told you that there's more to the story? Right? What if I told you that the gospel is even bigger and better than that? Right? What if I told you that Jesus didn't come just for the forgiveness of your sins? And what if I told you that Jesus didn't come just so you could have a relationship with God? And Jesus definitely didn't come so that you and I can go to heaven. Now, you guys are probably like, what kind of church is this, right? <laughs> but let me explain it to you, right? And don't take it from me. Let's look to the Bible, okay? So if we can put up those verses there. Okay, cool. So I'm going to paraphrase because there's a bunch in here. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 1, and Luke chapter 4 again, okay? And I'll paraphrase this for you guys. If you want the actual references, you can email me. But essentially, in these three sections, right, in the Gospels, we get summary statements about what God, like what Jesus' ministry was about. Okay, and in Matthew, in chapter 4 and 9, we actually get parallel verses, kind of bookends around Jesus' ministry. And it says that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And he was healing, right, everyone that was around him. And he was ministering to the people, right? That's what we see there. In Mark, right, we see that Jesus came proclaiming the good news of God. And he says, the fullness of time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Right? And we see in Mark that the good news of God is inextricably tied with this idea of the kingdom. And in Luke, I love in Luke chapter 4, this is when Jesus starts his ministry. He walks into the synagogue, takes out the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads a prophecy that talks about good news being proclaimed to the poor and the captives being set free and the blind seeing. And in this epic fashion, Jesus looks up, everyone's all eyes on him, and Jesus says, in your presence today, this has been fulfilled, right? So what we see in those three summary kind of statements in all of the Gospels is that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom, right? Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, right? Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom because Jesus saw himself as the one who brings the kingdom of God, right? Let me say that again. Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, right? Not just the good news of Jesus, the good news of the kingdom, because he saw himself as the one who brings the kingdom of God, which raises the question, right? So what is the good news of the kingdom, right? Now, that's pretty much the whole story of the Bible, right? Genesis to Revelation, one big epic narrative about God's plan of redemptive history, right? I'm going to try to summarize it for you in 30 seconds, but essentially, right, Genesis, God created everything, and it was very good. And he created us, the humanity, in his image so that we might mirror and reflect his glory and his love and his justice to all creation, right? That was the plan. But in our rebellion, in our sin, right, we rejected God's plan. And our rebellion not only broke our relationship with God, but it broke our relationship with one another. It created systems of brokenness. And it broke our relationship with the whole of creation. But God, in his faithfulness and in his love, made a plan and a promise. 
right, that he was going to set things right. That starting with the hearts of humanity, he was going to restore all things by sending a Savior. And so the whole of the Old Testament, the, the prophets, the Psalms, and the writings are all foreshadows and promises and plans of what God is going to accomplish. And so when Jesus steps on the scene and he comes proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he says he's bringing the kingdom, that's what he's talking about. He's saying this is good news, not just for spiritual salvation. This is good news because the kingdom is at hand, because God's plan to restore all things is at hand. Right? You guys see that? And you see this also in the way Jesus taught us to pray. Right? The beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Do you guys see that right there? Right? Jesus, when he's teaching us to pray, he's not telling us to pray that we're going to go to heaven. What is he teaching us to pray? That heaven, that God's kingdom would come to earth. Right? And when you get to Revelation, kind of the imagery there that wraps up all of this about what God is going to accomplish, we see God's kingdom and his dwelling, not in heaven, but on earth. Right? And that's our hope. Why is this important? I'm going to just quote from Amy Sherman from the Gospel Coalition. But she says it like this. Jesus' work is not exclusively about our individual salvation, but about the cosmic redemption and renewal of all things. It is not just about our reconciliation to a holy God, though that is the beautiful center of it. It is also about our reconciliation with one another and with the creation itself. Okay? So how does this change evangelism? Let me suggest to you that if the gospel, right, the gospel, the kingdom that Jesus brings is about the restoration of all things, then evangelism is about everything, right? Evangelism is not limited to spiritual stuff, right? And so I want to suggest to you that evangelism is about bringing the whole gospel to the whole person. This frees us to truly love people because we're not just, evangelism isn't just about saving souls, Right? That's part of it. But evangelism is about seeing people restored as God intended. Right? It's about the whole of them. For me personally, this has definitely freed me to love my friends. Right? To truly love them. Because when I'm talking with them, I'm not just looking for opportunities to try to share about you know, their sin and how they need Jesus. Right? Like that's part of it. But it frees me to talk about anything and everything that they care about. Right? To know and to speak into the needs of people. Right, so we have friends that work in healthcare, right? They see brokenness day in and day out, right? Children, right, they're needing surgery, that are passing away, and it sucks, right? And in those moments, evangelism means that we can engage and we can talk with them, right? That I can talk with them and say, you know what? I agree with you. There is so much brokenness in the world, and it sucks, right? But God is good, and he has a plan, right? That this was not the way God created the world, Right? There's brokenness in the world, but God's justice will prevail. Right? God's justice will prevail, and he has a plan to restore and redeem all things. Right? And we have the opportunity to share with them in that way. Right? And there's so many other ways, whether it's relationships or brokenness, we get to step into that and not only talk about the, what God is doing, right? but it, help them experience that. Show that to them. Live it out. Right? To me, that's what evangelism is about, and I think that's what we're called to do. So I know we just, you know, I tried to cover the whole story of the Bible in like 30 seconds. Um, but for some of us, right, maybe you're hearing this for the first time today. And you're like, okay, like my understanding of the gospel went from Jesus loved me and saved me to, 
whoa, like Jesus is restoring all things, and I'm a part of that, right? And if this is the first time hearing that, I want to encourage you to press into that, right? Challenge me on that. Challenge us on that, because this is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of the Christian, right? But for some of us, we know this already. We know this, and we still struggle to share, and we still struggle to evangelize. Why? And the question is, what are our obstacles? And not only what are the obstacles, but what are the obstacles for you, making it very personal. And we want to we want to talk about that right now. Just as Yuan was sharing too, I was reminded of um, Paul's writing to the Romans in Romans one, and at the end of the letter in Romans chapter fifteen. Have you ever found it odd that he says to the Romans, who are Christians, they're they're those who were uh, Jewish who'd become Christian, and as well as those who were Roman or Gentile who'd become Christian, and that was the Roman Church. But he says this: I've eagerly come so that I could proclaim the gospel to you. What? Don't we only proclaim the gospel to people who are this far from the cross? Or do we keep proclaiming the gospel on the other side of the cross? We started out by saying, set apart in your heart Christ as Lord, right? But I need people to be telling me gospel and reminding me of the gospel that Yen just shared, that God's about the redemption of all things, reconciling us to him, to ourselves, to the other, and to creation itself. Now, we can go through and we can talk about the God who saves and, and the, the funnel and taking the steps and, and uh, just that the gospel isn't just the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that God's bringing a new order to things in our personal life, in our families, and in our, in our cities, right? But, but then we just don't do it. Ugh. Did I just say that in church? Um, because I, I get to, I've had the privilege of preaching a lot of churches and to do evangelism training uh, with a number of different organizations, including Louis Palau Association. And nobody wants to talk about kind of the elephants in the room. All churches have elephants in the room. Sometimes a whole herd of elephants in the room, but we're going to only talk about one today. And, and the elephant in the room is this. Check it out. People don't know Jesus in the world. And those who do know Jesus aren't sharing Jesus with those who don't know. Right? It's hard. You know, if somebody's super distant from God, resistant to God, of another religion, of, a, of, a, of a, maybe even having an animosity, they're very far from Christ. And we've been trained that the gospel of Jesus Christ is to get people to know these four very simple ideas about the gospel. Uh, we might go about it very differently. And it seems such a, an impossibility, right, for this person that I know. For uh, my neighbor, Charita, who's Hindu, to go from here to there. You know, what, do, what am I supposed to do? And so I kind of get locked up and locked down and I don't know what your obstacle is, but, but as I, I've worked with uh, now thousands of different people on this subject, I keep hearing very similar things. So I'm going to put my list up on the board for you. I feel like I'm in class. Sorry, it's not a board. It's a screen. There you go. There's some of the obstacles that I often hear. I don't know Jesus. When, when I really press in, people haven't just journeyed with Jesus in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and in various ways, and they just... They can't verbalize some of the simple truths about, about who Jesus is. 
But even beyond knowing that, people just struggle with really loving Jesus, letting it be as real and personal as your close friend or as your, your mother or your father or, or your uh, boyfriend or your girlfriend. What does it mean to really move from here to here, right, so, so that I love Jesus? Um, and you're saying that, you know, it's so fun to share good news, right? And so when I have something that's great that happens in the wife of, in the life of my wife, Heather, or one of my sons, I am so excited to talk about it. And if you want to know about those who are close to me, or if you want to say, hey, tell me about Leslie or Roly or Paul, I can sit and talk with you for a while about the Discovery staff and, and what great people they are. But if I don't know about them or I haven't engaged into relationship with them and come to let my heart be warmed in love toward them, I'm going to struggle. And honestly, for some of you, that's the obstacle. You, you have distant knowledge of Jesus or that knowledge hasn't become love. Because going back to our prayer from last week, Father, you know, let me know your love today. I receive your love for me today. To engage in that love relationship. People aren't trained. They don't feel like I've been trained to be able to, to understand that it's not just about what I say to someone, but what I do in, in terms of warming their heart or even how I pray. And we're going to give you some practical tools here in just a moment. Not convinced about lostness. You're, you're like, well, these are, I mean, we're in Davis. People have resources. People have education. People have opportunity, a future, empowerment, all kinds of things, right? And how can that person really be separated from God? And if separated from God, separated from all the goodness that God can bring in their life and the hope and the promise of salvation and being with God forever rather than being separated from God forever. Whole nother sermon. Uh, but, but we're not convinced about lostness. We, don't, we haven't had models in our life in terms of people who've shown us what it means to engage in loving relationship with people who don't yet know God. Um, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Um, Fear of the unknown, don't know what the gospel is. Um, you just got that from Yuan, so you can look on the app. All those scriptures did come up behind you, by the way, on the, on the road, so they could write them down. And that'll be on the app. Intimidation in our culture, is this real? It's real. We're, at, we're in Davis. We're at, you're at UC Davis. And the intimidation in terms of religious freedom or talking about um, religion or talking about your faith in Jesus Christ in a real and winsome way, um, even that becomes problematic for us in a lot of our context. Isolation from those who don't know. We, we, we bring around us the people who are going to encourage us in our faith, and so we don't have direct engagement with those who don't know Jesus. And so what reason might you add? Now, this is always a, a fun part of doing this kind of message because uh, it's not really fun, everybody. Spoiler alert. Um, most people I know aren't engaged with, uh, with the process of evangelism. Even if they know Jesus and they acknowledge, part of being a Christ follower is to wear the badge and to say, if I'm a Christian, which means little Christ, I'm representing Jesus, his values, and his way in the world. Right? And, uh, and then we don't, we don't do it. There's an obstacle. There's something that's in the way. Because it's a, a, you know, Christianity is in everyone plays uh, sport. Uh, the, the Christian family, the, the, the family of God is in ev all the kids get all the goods. All the kids get all the opportunity and the responsibility. All of us. 
So if you take Jesus and you're walking with him, he's wanting you to do that, but there's an obstacle in the way. And the scripture clearly teaches us about what to do if we have an obstacle, right? Is that we want to move that obstacle out of the way, or we want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move that obstacle out of the way. I think we forget um, John 20, 30, and 31, which I shared earlier. As I've sent, as the Father sent me, I send you, but you're not on your own. He breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. Corresponding scripture in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you with power and you'll be my witnesses. You're not on your own, right? And so we want to take, we're going to take a moment right now in, in church right now to move the obstacle out of the way, right? Are you afraid? Do you not know Jesus yet? Do you not have training? Uh, do you not know anybody who's not a Christian? What is in the way for you this week to say, if there's somebody far from God, I'm going to help them take a step. Not necessarily get all the way, but just by who I am and what I share, I'm going to do that. And we want to erase those obstacles. So, most of you have smartphones. I know it's going to be a little different in church. Bear with me. Get your smartphone out. It's okay in church right now. Some of you have the app open already anyway. And I want you, whether in your texting box or an email box or if you have a notes section on your phone that you take, what I want you to do is just take a moment to type out what is the obstacle for you. What is the obstacle for you in terms of engaging in evangelism? Because Discovery Church is 100% committed to all the people in Davis and the surrounding communities who don't know Jesus to someday along the way, meet Jesus, because they meet me or you. If you're part of Discovery Church, if you're coming back next week, we're about that. We're about getting strengthened here to go out there and bring the witness of Jesus Christ. So have you written the obstacle down? This is not just a theoretical exercise. This is where we learn. This is where we grow, where we do something symbolic that actually says to God, God, I'm ready for you to move that obstacle out of the way so that I can be moving along the path of being your representative in the world. Everybody got that? It's a scary thing. A lot of you are dealing with fear. I think that's the number one thing. When I really get down and I talk with people one-on-one -on -one about evangelism, people are afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose their friend. They're afraid they're going to lose their job. They're afraid they're, they're going to jeopardize something. So if you've written that down, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer for us as church. And after, when I say amen to that prayer, I want you to delete whatever you wrote. Right? Because we're going to believe that God is going to delete that out of your life. God is going to take that obstacle and, and he's going to take it out of your life. Right? Father, we're going to pray believing right now in the name of Jesus that you will remove this obstacle by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you would remove a spirit of fear from everybody who's, who's dealt with fear. I pray that you would bring a spirit of revelation to people who need to know you, Jesus, or to love you, Jesus, to warm hearts toward you for all that you've done uh, in our life. We pray, God, that you would, would, would take down any sense of intimidation God, that you would give models within our church of people who are genuinely doing this.
for whatever the obstacle is, whatever has stood in the way, the, the, the thought that someone doesn't know enough yet, when is enough? Enough. Um, God, just remove that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you'd sweep aside the obstacles so that every person, every woman, every man who's part of Discovery Church represents you well in our world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so delete that now from your text, your email, your phone. Get rid of it. It's symbolic. It's saying, God, I want you to remove that obstacle out of the way. And now we're going to take this, which you hopefully got on the way in. It's a little bookmark. If you did not get one of these, get one on the way out. And we're going to share with you about very simple things you can do to love our neighbors. Definitely. Cool. So on there, I mean, hopefully today as we're talking about this, last week we talked about loving your neighbor. And I hope that as we talked about the whole gospel as, you know, the gospel of the kingdom, we see that evangelism and loving your neighbor go hand in hand, right? right. They're inseparable. And so on that little piece of paper there, I think there's three things, right? That we would pray, that we would wait and watch, and that we would join God, right? And so it all starts with prayer, because ultimately, God is the one that changes hearts, right? Jesus is the one who brings the kingdom, not us, right? Jesus is the one that brings the kingdom. He's the one that's going to be transforming. So let's pray, right, to see God work. And let's also pray specifically to ask God, right, to show us who he might be calling us to reach out to, right? Whether it's in the workplace, in the school, in our neighborhoods, right? I think as we pray, we are not only talking to God, but we hear from God. And there's a way in which prayer transforms our hearts, that we would have a heart that is after God's own heart, right? I think that moves us to see people as God sees them. So that's the first thing is pray. The second is to wait and watch, right? Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the Southwest commercial where uh, every seat has a story, you know, it's an awesome commercial because I fly Southwest like all the time. Um, but one thing on that commercial, right, the idea is that you have a plane, 150 people, right? And we're all just trying to get through security lines. But if you slow down and think about it, every person has a story, right? They're flying somewhere for a reason, right? And they're coming from someplace and they're going somewhere. And that's the truth, right? Every person has a story and God is doing something in everyone's lives. And so when we wait and watch, we're waiting and watching to see where God is calling us to step in and how we can you know, help bring and encourage them in God's kingdom, right, and bring that good news. Um, just to share a story uh, with you guys, I know sometimes when we talk about evangelism, right, we think like, oh, like we have to have it all together to evangelize. It just makes it very clear, like, you don't, okay? Like, I'm up here sharing with you guys. I don't have it all together. Um, I'm going to share with you a story from high school uh, for me, because it's really stuck out to me. I was a sophomore, about this tall, in high school, and I remember being in AP Biology, and the girl sitting next to me, she's a senior, Kathleen, um, we were, I guess, friends, but more just classmates, uh, classmates, friends-ish. And I remember, you know, she was of a Buddhist background. And at some point, you know, during class, she was sharing with me about um, just recurring nightmares that she'd been having, right? And so we started talking, and I... I was a sophomore, I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I tried to share with her the little about Jesus that I knew, and that was that. She graduated that year, I was like, okay, I didn't think much of it. Two years later, I get this email from her, out of the blue, and she says, hey, I just want to let you know that I got baptized today, and I wanted to thank you for sharing with me about Jesus back in AP Biology. Wow. Now, I don't even remember what we talked about, right? It was so unprofound. Like, I don't know what we <laughs> talked about. 
But the crazy thing is, even though I had no idea what I was doing, God knew exactly what he was doing in her life, right? And so today I just want to encourage us. Maybe some of you guys are going to be in Davis for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe some of you guys are going to be here for another quarter, the next nine months. Right? But God has you as his representatives where he's placed you because he wants to use you right, to be a part of somebody's story, to bring the good news of the kingdom that Jesus brought. Yeah, and it's so much about those kinds of what I've, I've come to term you in is split-second opportunities. You then had a, a momentary choice to say, am I going to move toward this person or move toward this conversation? I know we were talking about Bill Heibel's book, Just Walk Across the Room. Strongly recommend it. It's a big, long book, but it has one really easy idea to take, uh, to, take to heart, which is basically, am I going to go and am I going to initiate conversation and relationship? When I've used this bookmark before, um, three of us uh, put this together, uh, two other friends and myself, the idea of your neighbor being the one who is close to you, but it may be the person who's in the dorm room near you or the apartment building or, or your actual literal neighbor in the house next to you, but it's also, if you look on the back, it says where we live, work, learn, and play, right? So where we live, work, learn, and play. One of the things that, that we can begin with is be able to find out the names of the people who are around you. And maybe it's somebody who's a Christian who you're going to proclaim gospel to and help them through a difficult time, reminding them of God's kingdom plan and his kingdom work that he, he's about. But it may also be someone who doesn't yet know God. But this is a tool for you to take with you to write those names in and to begin, as Yen shared, to, to be able to begin to pray for them and then to wait upon God and to watch because here's a marvelous thing. We started out with this uh, in Psalm 68 this morning. God is the God of salvation. It's a beautiful phrase um, in Revelation where it says, the, the song that's being sung in heaven, salvation belongs to Discovery Church. No, it actually doesn't say that. It says salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb who are on the throne. In a place of authority is the salvation of humanity. So whatever name you write on this bookmark, this isn't an intellectual exercise, this is actually something that can go on your mirror in your bathroom or can go on your refrigerator or somewhere where, a coffee maker, that's a good place, just put it right on there. And you're gonna be able to see those names and to pray and to wait and to watch and be ready for the split second opportunity to say, God, I'm gonna join you. I love how God, you know, God gives an assignment for someone to preach or teach, and, and we have a great teaching team here uh, at Discovery Church. But then God will go, okay, let me, let me see if you're going to be real about this. So I got home last night from spending the day in Tahoe with Heather where she's speaking at a women's retreat, and then I got to a party for a friend of mine, went out to, to a special dinner, and got my son home, and he was having friends to come over to play board games together. And, uh, and I was really tired, and I was ready to go over the sermon again. And um, the, the one friend of my, my son uh, has an older sister who just graduated uh, uh, this last year. Um, but we had, uh, in our community in Folsom, we had a, a young woman who was 19, uh, who was on study in Spain, a semester in Spain, um, die suddenly um, without notice, just collapsing from sudden heart failure. 19-year-old young woman. So uh, 
the, the, this girl comes to drop off her brother and says, hey, you know, I'm thinking of switching majors to psychology. She goes to Sac State. Can I talk to you about that? And because um, she knows I teach psychology at Jessup. And so I said, sure, come on in, got a glass of water. Everything inside me is like, I gotta get to prepping for this message. <laughs> we have this conversation about psychology major switch from kinesiology. And, um, and then there's a kind of a big pause. And I said, is there anything else you wanted to talk with me about? That's that move, that's that split second decision, right? And she said, actually I have a faith-based question. Her name's Lauren Wong and my son had had a, a witness in her life and she's beginning to understand non-church-going family. And she said, I went to the memorial service today and she teared up. And she had questions about life and death and eternity. And we had this beautiful conversation um, at the, the kitchen table while these loud ninth and 10th graders were just going nuts on board games in the other room. But it's that split second opportunity where you can say there was a gospel moment that happened uh, because we were ready to move toward it. And I wanna encourage you that you, you use this bookmark to be ready to move toward those and to be aware of the ways in which God is working. You know, we have opportunities and I'm gonna put uh, some opportunities. We're talking about healthy self, healthy family, healthy church. For yourself, really with your neighbors, identify who they are, pray, wait and watch, and then join God because God will open a door for you to say a word, to do an action that brings gospel into their life. Second thing we wanna put up is that as a, as, um, a, a church, we're gonna do Treat Trail on October 31st. And so you can join myself and Paul. If you feel like you haven't had good models, raise your hand, Paul. Paul and I, we're gonna be on Treat Trail in downtown Davis. You can sign up for that next week if you wanna come for an hour and see what it's like just to engage with people and to meet their candy need. Um, Need-oriented evangelism. I don't know if that's a need, but, we, but it builds a bridge, right? And then we're going to have a conversation about that. But then also next week, there'll be a list of ways and opportunities. You can engage your neighbors, too. Halloween is one of those uh, think times where people are out and about like never before in neighborhoods or apartment complexes or even on the campus. And there's more opportunity for conversation. The other thing that we do as gospel is that we give. We're generous people. Next, sli uh, next slide. We want to be able to um, care for our neighbors who have just been impacted by these fires. Go to the next picture. Because real people were impacted and devastated uh, by this reality. And this week, um, Paul reached out and connected with Pastor Garrett at Spring Hill Church uh, in Santa Rosa, which is just a quarter of a mile from one of the neighborhoods that was completely leveled. And we're gonna have the opportunity to, to give an offering. Maybe you came today with your wallet in your pocket or your wallet in your purse, and you have $5 that you're going to use for something, for a coffee or for lunch or whatever. But we wanna be able to be able to rally around Spring Hill Church and to be able to bring good news to them in the form of money that they're gonna be able to use as a church with people that they're engaged with in their community to be a good neighbor. We're gonna good neighbor through Spring Hill Church <laughs> to bring the gospel to a situation just over the mountains from us. Um, and so as you leave uh, this morning, you're gonna be able to have the opportunity just to take your wallet out. You have a dollar, you have $5, you have $20. Um, and you, there's been a lot of appeals and ways to give and maybe you've given other ways. But if we as a church can give to this church and this church can affect that too, Pastor Garrett's gonna come back and say, hey, 
with that offering from Discovery Church, this is how good news, how gospel happened in, in people's lives in Santa Rosa. Isn't that good? So I want to take these little steps and these little opportunities. So let's pray for that um, offering. We're going to worship and close our time just taking communion together. Father, thank you that we can learn and we can grow. We continue to move toward health as a body, as those who are going to be um, walking and living out our faith individually within our households. Um, God, we just uh, worship you and we thank you for that. We, we want to continue to pray for the people who've lost everything, who don't have neighbors because there's no more houses. They're not living in the same place. They've been displaced. They're continuing to heal in burn wards and in um, and in hospitals. We pray, Father, that your grace would cover that situation. And when they're so near, we pray, God, that the offering that we bring would be a generous expression of gospel to them. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to enter into our time of response. <clears throat> this is an opportunity for you guys to sit and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to go to receive prayer. We'll have members of our prayer team over at the left-hand side of the stage. Um, a chance to worship.